0: We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're
1: so thrilled to have Sam Thiara as our special guest. Sam is a professional who has created a personal journey as a speaker, storyteller, writer, educator, coach, entrepreneur, problem solver, and community activator. His goal is to help individuals realize their greatness. Presently, he teaches at the Beattie School of Business and is also the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. He has become an expert in career coaching with over 5,000 conversations. He's authored two books and presented at two different TEDx conferences. His tagline, everyone's life is an autobiography, make yours worth reading. Sam, great to have you on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what you do when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking.
2: Uh, thank, thanks for having me here today and uh, being able to share some insights. To to respond to that question, I think what, for me, really changed the trajectory and really sort of uh, focused on what you're asking is the moment I stopped looking at what I was going to do and started really thinking about who I am that's when clarity emerged. And that's what really has focused and allowed me to go in a direction that is very authentic to me. But that's also then helped me to then help other people realize their authentic journey as well.
0: Hi, Sam. Thank you for joining us today. Sam has to be, I just have to shout out Sam, not only do you have a great tagline and write your own autobiography? And make it interesting. I already slaughtered it, so I apologize for that, but I love the sentiment behind it. And Sam has been the most flexible guest for us because we've had to reschedule a few times. And so he gets the award of being the most flexible and understanding. So thank you, Sam. Oh, my
2: pleasure. What,
0: what um, before we even get to your decision, is there something that you could tell listeners like, I love reading this book or this? podcast or this website that kind of gets you to push your thinking a little bit?
2: Yeah, actually, the the book that uh, really resonated with me was Sir Ken Robinson's book, The Element, because what he talked about in The Element just reinforced about realizing who you are, as opposed to what you want to do. And there's so much great insight in Sir Ken Robinson's book. uh, So that's The Element.
0: That's the, when did you read that? Is that one that's recent or a long time ago?
2: So it was probably about maybe eight, nine years ago because a colleague of mine, well, she was a former student and then she became an, an uh, got her PhD and became a lecturer. And she gifted me the book with the quote to the person who found their element and now helps other people find their element. And it just, when I started reading the book, it, it reinforce the, that the work that I'm doing is exactly what I should be doing.
0: Mm. So you already mentioned that the decision, when you had that moment where you stopped kind of looking at what you wanted to do and became like, no, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what led up to that moment. Like you weren't five years old and new, I'm always going to do this. Like there had to be some change, right? So what led up to that, that moment for you?
2: Yeah, it was my trajectory from university was just like anybody else, you know, secure that job and yeah. you know, find yeah. and for me, it my first job with a degree and about 86 rejections was actually becoming a janitor, mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins with a degree on my wall. But oh, no. yeah, but at that same time I I went into that position. Not looking at it as, you know, poor me or this is not what I was signed up for. Instead, I looked at it as, what am I going to learn from this? And I pulled three valuable life lessons that carried me to who I am today. The first life lesson was, you know, my father said, I don't care what you do, but you do the best job possible because your reputation is on the line. So I did the best job. The second valuable lesson, there were times I would get on the elevator with nurses, doctors and administrators and it you know there were times that I would be ignored because I was not a professional. I know what that feels like. So I make sure I talk to everybody regardless of their status or stories. I just talk to everybody. And the third valuable lesson was in anything that we do rather than looking at it as an absolute of good or bad or the situation, I I looked at it as what can I learn that's going to pull me Into other areas of my life. So, always having this learning mentality. So, those three things carried me forward. But the realization I had now reflecting back many years later, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. And, you know, you just sort of go with this mentality of, you know, who's lucky to get me because I have a degree in business and political science. But the narrative switched to, am I lucky to get a job? Fortunately, Down the road, apart after being a janitor, I did get a job in retail. You know what? I could do it. It wasn't me. Then I got a job working in a Crown Corporation here in Vancouver, Canada, and again I could do the job, but it wasn't me. And what was interesting, and it, I like to use analogies, and the way that I would describe it is the fact that you know my life was like wearing a suit that didn't fit. It's like I was wearing a fifty-two short suit. But I'm a 42 regular. So that's what my career was. It didn't fit, but I could do it. It's when I started thinking about a shift and, you know, what is the next step going to be? Like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And that's when I started focusing on who I am as opposed to what I want to do. And clarity emerged and made me realize that I was wearing an oversized, ill-fitting suit, which was my career. But then it helped me when I started seeing who I wanted to be, the direction I needed to go. And that's where I suddenly decided, okay, and I came up with what I call the five core elements. And I, I can expand on that later on if you'd like. But it was almost like I told myself, what are the five things that I'm not willing to compromise in life and career? not just career, but life and career. And I came up with five words that made me realize the job I was doing was not fitting. And instead, what is it going to be? And it suddenly dawned on me that what really resonated and mattered to me was this thing called community relations and road safety. And But I had no experience in this. Over time, what I did was I, I then decided, okay, if that's what it looks like it's going to be, I then went on a Thursday, found who my road safety person was in my community, reached out to them, and then they said, look, uh, I have an event next Tuesday. Don't have anyone helping me. I mean, did you want to come out? It's in a park. I said, okay. Wow. And I went there and I really enjoyed it. And then he had another event the following week. I He said, I'd really like to work with you. And I did it. And next thing you know, about three weeks later, he said, look, Sam, I'm sorry, but I've got a double booking. It's an event. uh, It's a campaign, but I don't have anyone to help me. Can you take one? I was like, sure. But here's the interesting thing. People started saying the person's using you because you're not going to get that job. You don't have any experience in that. But my reply back was, look, I'm enjoying myself. And I kept on. And then about maybe four months of doing this, my center manager came up and he said, I'd like to do a community relations program for our claim center or center here. Would you be willing to run it? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So I started doing that. And sure enough, people were like, now he's using you. When are you going to learn? You're not (laughs) going to get a job in road safety. (laughs) I, I was like, I'm having fun. I'm going to keep doing this. And eight months I finally applied for a job in road safety. And you know what? I did not get the job and the boom hit because everyone said, when are you going to learn? This is not going to happen. They don't hire from, you know, outside, I mean, inside and workers like that, like they hire from outside. You have to be specialized. But I was like, but I'm having fun and it's okay. Okay. 14 months into this whole journey, it suddenly happened. I got the job in road safety. And it was everybody was like, How did you do that? Yeah, they never saw the work that was taking place and how much fun I was having it was uh that's the journey that initially happened, and I've got more that I could share, but that's the, the that's the moment where when I was focusing on who I was the it didn't feel like work
0: mm. so true i I love I'm gonna steal Sam mm-hmm. I'll give me credit wearing a suit that doesn't fit, yeah." Because it's so, it's such a beautiful analogy of what a lot of people feel in their careers or even their lives. We've had people talk about, "I'm not the right gender," "I'm not like the suit doesn't fit." Mm -hmm. And so, if we go back though, there's so much I want to ask you, but let let, me—I'll start in a timeline format to Mm -hmm. keep me organized. When did you? So you said you got a degree in business and and poli sci. Did you? kind of have a career planned out? Did you think when you were in high school or college, were you super like focused, like, this is what I'm going to do? And then it was even harder to change. Or were you kind of like, I'm not sure. What prompted you to to go to university for business and poli-sci?
2: Actually, y- your point is a really good question, because this is where those 5,000 conversations have taken place after the fact. I didn't know. It was just by fumbling around, thinking about, well, I think it's business and you know, uh, and then doing a political science course, really enjoying it and then saying, okay, maybe it's political science too. And, you know, making it into a double major. But a lot of the people I even talk to now still feel lost. And by default, they're picking things like either, you know, they think it makes sense. I did an accounting course in high school. So I, and I did well, okay, that's, it's going to be business. There's, uh, there's not a lot of uh, I mean, some people obviously have it well thought out and well planned. It's a spectrum of people out there, mm-hmm. but majority of the people I deal with, it's all by default. You know, I landed yes. in this career or sorry, this academic career and yes. that's how it is.
0: Yeah. Yes. There's so much default or I'm so sorry. There's some background noise here. Hold on. Um yeah. of course, this is the timing of podcast. Enjoy. Um, Oy vey. Uh, So what I think so many people, and we hear this all the time, they just default without thinking, right? So it's like, well, I'm supposed to go get a business degree and I'm supposed to be in business and then I'm supposed to get married and then I'm supposed to have two kids and then I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to retire and I'm supposed to. What were there examples in your family of people who kind of stepped out of that like did you have some role models or mentor to help you say sam shake out of it like you don't need to do it or was it pretty expected of you to kind of follow a certain path in your family like who kind of helped you think of that differently
2: there was nobody and it, mm. you had to figure it out all, all by yourself i mean i never had a mentor i never had a coach it was more like you just naturally go through the processes and, you know, you know, you take it step by step and, you know, there, even in business, there were classes that I did that I didn't like and there, or that didn't resonate. And there were classes that I was just like, I never even had to work hard and I got a really good mark. And that's what really sort of guided me to where, you know, determining, okay, I think it's, it's a bit like this. It's like um, playing one of those kids games where you've got that, uh, sealed little box with that little marble and all these holes and you try to get it into the hole. Well, Mm -hmm. I think that's what an academic career is like. I mean, you sort of move it around and, you know, you're jumping from this class to this class to this area and faculty. And hopefully that marble lands in a good spot. But I'm also having so many conversations with people who have realized I'm not in the right job. I mean, this is after they've graduated Right. And now I'm helping them in that journey. But, uh, you know, back in the day and, you know, you would think that by now it's it's a different system than when I graduated many, many years ago. It's not. It's, it's exactly the same. And it's not even just a North American challenge. I mean, when I'm speaking in uh, South America or if I'm speaking in the Middle East or in Asia or anywhere, students are having the same challenges. But
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's why I try to really provide some support and guidance.
0: Well, and I think it's, it's to, to back up, the it is kind of this universal thing that we all fall into the same yeah. conversation, the same routine, because there's so much pressure from society or family to do that. And I can really see why you help coach and mentor others, because you didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you realize, oh my God, if I had a coach or mentor earlier, it would have been slightly different for me. Like, how great is that, that you get to help? people, um, find their, their way, because it is really difficult for most people. And so I guess I'll jump. I, like I said, Mm -hmm. I have so many questions, but I I want before I jump to a question, I wanted to say when you were the janitor and talk about humble, you graduate college and you're like 86 rejections. I'm now the janitor Mm -hmm. and talk about, I love when you said that you had the do the best job. Mm -hmm. and um, what can you learn from it? But I I want you to maybe expand upon a little, when you're in that space where people ignore you because you're on the elevator, how has that, do you think, impacted how you view the rest of your life and dealing with people? Because I always think being in a one-down position helps you so much be a better human, if that makes sense, right? Because you really can have a lot more empathy for people. So I just wanted to maybe expand upon that if you could.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, having been in the trenches, I have an appreciation for any position any person holds, whether it's out of convenience or whether it's out of choice. And, you know, even yesterday when I was going to go teach my class, there was a lady who's, uh, you know, doing the janitorial work. As I was walking by, I smiled and I said, how are you today? And she just stopped and she just sort of looked at me and I said, yeah. How's your day? And she was like, oh, it, it's it's really good. I said, uh, you know, then we I just sort of uh, gave a little bit of a conversation with her and we we smiled a little bit and laughed and she walked away with a smile on her face. And, you know, I just uh, for me, I realized that, you know, whether it's my students or whether it's, you know, anybody that I come across, people are hungry for a conversation. People are are mm-hmm. just wanting to feel validated that, you know, what I'm doing or who I am, you know, is meaningful. And, you know, that's part of what I do is, well, you know, in my students, it's not uncommon for them to just come and sit in my office, not asking academic questions, but more talking about life or just talking about uh, how things are going on. And uh, they feel that you become approachable. and, And I think that's the important part is, you know, but uh, to go back to what you were, you were suggesting or or saying earlier, it's interesting because, you know, I look at it as all of those setbacks that I had, not failures, but setbacks were actually really important because they've provided me the tools to help those that I can now do. And, And I needed to have gone through it. And I mean, it goes back to, Apart from the, the quote about, uh, you know, your life is an autobiography. The other one that is so important to me is obstacles are the necessary bricks on a road to success. Mm. Don't fear the obstacles, embrace them, learn from them, because they suddenly become those key components that are those experiences that are going to help you become the person you are today.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So well said. What, before we get to your four, five core elements, cause I mm-hmm. want to talk about those cause I'm sure that's the, this great advice that you have. I have to say you, I have to ask you, so you're going through like, what do I want to do? And you're kind of figuring this out. You're like community relations, which makes sense. You're in poli sci community, but Sam mm-hmm. road safety. Give me that. Come on. Where does that one come from, Sam? <laughs>
2: I think it goes back to that need of service and wanting to be a positive influence in the community, because that's what road safety became is, is how do we reduce crash and harm in society? And, and that's where it, it ignited that, that aspect of, of giving back to community. I mean, prior to doing all this, There was no volunteer work in my life. And now, I mean, I look back and I've been a part of um, either at a board advisory level or, you know, helping an organization. It's been about 50 nonprofits. uh, So, you know, 50 is a lot, but they're approaching me with regards to how do we become a better organization? So, you know, that's where, you know, that's where road safety ignited this aspect of deciding to not be a bystander in life.
0: I, the bystander in life, I, I appreciate that so much because it is your life. Do you really want to be a bystander and have other people mm-hmm. do it for you? Or do you want to do something? You're only on this earth for however long. And so make it meaningful. Like you said, make it worth a read yeah. if your if your life story. So I feel like you could talk to us for about two hours on coaching people for kind of thinking through their Career, their lives, and you mentioned these five core elements. So, what mm-hmm. kind of advice or or things can people things people can do to really start thinking like you did and say, "This is really what I want to do, and this is how I'm going to connect with my life."
2: Right. And and actually, what was interesting is you know even that uh, position that I had in road safety, which I thoroughly really enjoyed and loved, I wound up taking a career leap, and part of the reason being is. Two words, and I think you used one of the words earlier, but uh, the two words were comfort and uncertainty. Mm. Comfort, it's a place that society wants us to strive towards, but yes. with comfort, the challenge is I stop growing as an individual. 100%. No matter how great the job is, I stop growing. So, 100%. yeah, comfort is one word, and uh, uncertainty, because we were going through a major overhaul in the company and they needed about 850 people out of 6,000 to leave. And I looked at it, and uncertainty also was prevalent because there's uncertainty if I leave because I don't have a job, but there's uncertainty if I stay because you can move me where you want. I control my uncertainty. No one else does. And I took a leap and never looked back. Mm. But the five core elements became my parachute. So it wasn't just a career leap into total darkness where you either fall. The, the, the five core elements became a piece that I've created for myself, which then that's what I use with other people. What are the five things you're not willing to compromise in life and career? And it's about being reflective and introspective because if I'm sitting there talking to somebody, I'll say, okay, tell me about the current job you have or a previous job you had. What did you like about it? Didn't like about it. But the key question is why? What courses have you done? or have done what did you like about those courses and what did you not really resonate with why what do you like to do in your spare time your social life why and the the why is the most important part because i mean you can tell me what you liked about your job but that's just the surface level piece so when i start doing this exercise uh, oftentimes maybe one of the words that somebody might use is, well, one thing that's so important that I'm not willing to compromise is family. Said, okay, why is family important to you? And then they go into detail that, you know, it's the relationships, it's the connectedness that I have with my immediate family, my extended family. And as they're explaining, somewhere along the way, I'll say, okay, you use the word, you know, relationships and connectedness. Does that also apply to your work environment? They say, absolutely. Does that also apply to when you were a student? And they're like, oh, for sure. Does that also apply in your social life? And they said, oh, yeah, of course. So maybe instead of family, can we use relationships and connectedness as one Mm -hmm. of your five core elements?
0: Ah, brilliant.
2: So it's about, about that thoughtful process. Now, what people are fearful for is you're making me pick five things. And what if they're not the right words? What I always tell them is it doesn't matter where you start from because you can change them as you go through your life and career and replace. I've replaced my words with other words. So don't be hesitant, but think of it this way To build a house, you need a solid foundation. To build a life, you need a solid foundation. We pay somebody to come in and do a house inspection to make sure the foundation is secure. When have we ever had anyone come and look and reflect on our personal foundation. It's important to also realize that, you know, these words will change because, you know, we change as individuals. And it's also about having some fun with these words. I mean, can you imagine, like, I, so I was talking to somebody in Los Angeles, and we were having a long conversation about the five core elements, and she was trying to figure out hers. And, you know, we I said, okay, what are you not willing to compromise? And, she said, one of the things is the environment. The environment is so important to me and I want to make sure that I'm there doing what I can. And, you know, she was going down and I I asked her why. And at a certain point I said, oh, so you're an environmental ninja. And she suddenly said, oh my gosh, that's a word that has to be in one of my five. (laughs) Have fun with them and just think of it this way. It really becomes who you are. And also as an HR professional for both of you is, I mean, how many interviews have you had where people, where you ask someone, tell me about, you know, who is Sam? And then they look up to the ceiling and they exactly. use, well, I'm a yep. hard worker and I'm great with people and uh, great with technology. <laughs> great. But so is everybody else.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I, what I really appreciate about what you do and it just, it's the why questions. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why? And to me, it's getting to root cause mm-hmm. and that to how do you help people overcome this that question can be really scary like well why is it important to you and sometimes the answer is uh cuz my dad said it was important mm-hmm. or society like there can be some very scary responses or just i don't want to look at it and i do think when to go all the way back to what we were saying about why so many people are kind of in that comfort level mm-hmm. it's because they don't want to ask why mm-hmm. they don't want to look at the answer of why how do you help people get past maybe that that sticking point of, I don't know, I just I'm supposed to be in business, right? I'm supposed to make money for my family. Like how how do you how do you help them kind of think through that and get past that that um, discomfort level for
2: them? And funny enough, I had a conversation with a student just on uh, yesterday any about exactly that because she's striving to get into the business program because that's what she thinks it's mm-hmm. supposed to be.
0: Right, and, right. And
2: so I sat there and we were talking and I said, so why business? And she said, well, this is what um, it's supposed to be, or I'm supposed to do this. And, and, and it, it was funny. And I said, but okay, so if money is no object, what would you really want to do? And she was like, oh, if money was no object, here's what I would do. Mm-hmm. i like, okay, so how can we incorporate that into your journey? And, you know, to your point, I think what happens is people come to me because they know that, you know, I'm going to be able to provide some insight. But the thing is, I call myself a difficult monk. Like people come to me thinking I'm going to give them the answers to life. (laughs) They think of me as an orange saffron bearded man on top of a mountain. Now I got a beard and I'm sitting on top of a mountain because of where I live, but uh, the orange saffron robe hasn't happened. But um, I always say I'm a difficult monk because you come to me looking for those answers what I'm going to do is just keep asking you questions because the monk you seek lies within you. And my role and responsibility is to just ask those thoughtful questions.
0: I, uh, first of all, I want you to have the orange robe, (laughs) Sam, and you need to get that, uh, to, to put the whole ensemble together. I love it. Love it. Love it. And I was just thinking, Kelly, I could, I would go to Sam with all my, like, Sam, help me think through this because you have such a way about you mm-hmm. and the way I'm sure you ask the questions and, and this kind of peaceful nature ab- about you mm-hmm. that I would answer. I'd be like, well, let me think about that because it's not, it's not overly aggressive or, um, shameful. Like, mm-hmm. well, why did you do it this way or why? Cause that's how a why question can kind of come across sometimes, right. um, but, Kel, I'm just thinking like it's such a beautiful thing that Sam does. and what are your your thoughts and and uh, your your uh, reactions to Sam? Well, I think it just speaks so much to
1: why your students must be so thrilled to have you as in their in their life because you truly do help people at various stages of life. Students can come in all, you know, at all stages. They can be you know younger, maybe they're looking to restart their career so they're going back to school. Um, But that you offered a very comforting and very um, compassionate place to me is what stood out most. And you're an incredible listener, too, based on what I'm hearing from you, that you take the time to ask questions that they may never have considered before. Or to Kiri's point, if they had, maybe there were preconceived notions that they felt they had to live within or they had to be a certain person or act a certain way because a family member held them to an expectation. Um, I'd be curious does that does that sense of that that um, yearning to help and 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 really help people find their way come from the fact that you in your own life did not have that mentor figure?
2: Oh absolutely And it, I just from for myself, I think people have to go through some challenges, but I don't want them to have to go through the and endure the challenges that I had to go through. So let's make it a little bit difficult, but let's not make it impossible. So if I was to share with you the five things that make up my foundation, they're servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Based on, I guess, what you may have read about me or researched and our conversation, would you say that those five words fairly accurately de- de- depict who this person is? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's the whole idea of mm-hmm. when you have that alignment. So I've got about 12 projects I'm working on. Now, to be fair, they're not totally independent from each other. Like my storytelling or story sharing integrates into my teaching, which is part of you know the speaking that I do or the writing that I do. But those five things have really become the clarity that I needed to Help me become the person who I am today. And to your, to your point, Kelly, that you asked uh, earlier is it's interesting because I feel like, you know, again, those hardships were given to me. But it's like I've had so many experiences, so many stories and so much that, that has been given to me. But the idea is I'm not allowed to keep it. I have to give it away. And the more that I give away, the more comes back to me. But then I have to give it away even more. So it's, it's one of those, I, it'd be nice if more people adopted that piece of, you know, I've been given a lot. I need to give back and not worry about status, credibility, like who gets the credit and things like that. That's where that servant leadership piece comes in. Uh, you know, that's the lifestyle that I've embraced now.
1: Amen. And to your point, especially in the world we're living in, Mm -hmm. We see so many examples of what not to do Mm -hmm. that the moments where we see good things to do, Mm -hmm. the story that you shared, I mean, it's very powerful, very impactful. I was very captivated listening to you because it can, people do want to be acknowledged. They do want to feel validated. Kira and I will often coach managers to to say, you know, your employees are not looking for a million dollars. What they're looking for is a conversation with you where you show that you care. Yeah. You show that you know what's going on in their life. If they need to take a half day, take a half day, you know. But that they feel like what they're doing in their work is a value and um, make, makes a difference for the world, for for their company, for the people that they serve, their customers. Mm-hmm. But to that to that point, it seems so. When we talk to managers, they don't, they always come thinking, "I have to have this grandiose plan," and really, they don't. It just is just talk, and then be careful to listen. Mm-hmm. And truly take, in, take it in.
2: Yeah. And and that's the conversations that I have with my students or alumni. And I'm surrounded by greatness. Uh, you know, and, you know, I've been a reference for so many of them. I, I, I become part of their lives. It's always so funny because I even tell my students and, you know, and this is also for your listeners. Do you realize how many winning lottery tickets you have in your life? And we're not talking about the ones you buy at the store with, you know, that you win millions of dollars. A lottery ticket is someone who you interact with and you follow up with them. So oftentimes, like if I even go to a restaurant and, you know, the the wait staff comes up and we start talking and they're like, yeah, no, I'm in university. I'm, I'm, you know, not sure about the journey. And I say, well, this is what I do. And, you know, if you're happy, if you want, (laughs) here you go. Here's my contact information. You can go and, you know, I've got about 180 blog posts to help these individuals and stuff. Uh, And. It's interesting because it's a winning lottery ticket. You can contact me and I'm happy to sit down and have a conversation mm-hmm. with you. I'd say nine times out of 10 or 19 out of 20 times, I'll never hear back from the person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so you're going to have these lottery tickets that are winning lottery tickets in your life. Mm-hmm. Activate it just even if you just acknowledge that. Let's say you get a job, but still send a note to that person to say, you know, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, I hope you keep well.
1: Well, everyone listening to this podcast has been given a lottery ticket to so to sam's point, please reach out to him mm-hmm. um with your winning lottery ticket. I think what you show what you've demonstrated is your courage in being able to take those eighty six rejections and find a path and avenue for you to live your best life. Mm-hmm. You have the humility to be able to pay it for to others. It's not all about you. it's not all about um every step you've taken, yes, they have taught you something, but you want to be able to impart knowledge on others and help make their journey a little less strenuous, so to speak. Still go through challenge, but maybe not as the heart of a challenge as as maybe what you had to go through. Um, I also just appreciate your resiliency too, and that your willingness to bounce back and be able to really sit with in those maybe moments of uncomfortableness to say, what are the five, what are my five elements? What are the things I'm not going to negotiate? Um, that are going to be core and key to my life and the decisions I make. Um, and then I think you're just a tremendous role model living that exemplary life in which people seek you out, find you approachable so that you they can talk and have these very in-depth, motivating conversations.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I mean, for your listeners, one thing that I do want to share, I mean, we're in a a challenging time with COVID-19 and it's impacted every single person on this earth, but whether you're an individual, uh, you're a manager in a, in a team or organization, or an educational institution, or even a nonprofit, I say that this is the most important time for us to care. And what care stands for is collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Collaboration, we all have something to share with each other. And instead of holding on to it, see what you have that someone may be lacking and what you lack that someone else has. And let's collaborate and build some greatness here. Adaptability is this mindset that we've all had to shift our, our, whether we liked it or not, we've all had to shift, but let's carry this adaptability mindset even beyond and always keep our, our mind open to change. Resilience, which you've just used is to realize that this is a marathon we're in. It's not over next week or next month, or maybe even next year. Let's build the resiliency in so that we can go through this and not not survive, but thrive. And empathy. Let's show more empathy to each other because there's a need to show care and compassion because we don't know what people are going through. So let's be more empathetic.
1: What a wonderful way to close our, our episode is on that high note of, of really thinking through the elements of what makes us unique and different? And what are the things that we're not going to negotiate on? And then of course, um, the elements of care that you just shared. We're so grateful, Sam, to have had the good fortune to win our lottery ticket and speak with you today. And if you're interested in reaching out to Sam, please do so. In our show notes, we have all of the uh, episode information, including all of Sam's contact information. Again, Sam, what a pleasure and a delight to talk with you today. We're, We're grateful.
2: Oh, and, and for me as well, like, I just have nothing but uh, respect and admiration for the work that you do and providing this ability and an opportunity for people to share on your show that might help someone. So thank you for doing that.
1: That's our mission. Thank you so much, Sam, for fulfilling it. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abracci Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.